I'm Ray Rogers. And I'm Brad Kepler. And you're listening to Fix This, a podcast exploring tech ideas and solutions to some of today's most pressing challenges. This is part three of our special mini-series, Mission Critical Cloud. And if you missed parts one and two, you can visit the archives to catch up. Teresa Carlson, Vice President of the Worldwide Public Sector at Amazon Web Services, joins us again to guest host today's episode. I'm so excited to kick off part three of our mini-series on Mission Critical Cloud. We're exploring how cloud computing helps state and local governments deliver critical services to citizens. In today's world, more than ever before, citizens are relying on their local government for life-saving information. And citizens count on being able to get this information quickly and reliably. Today, I'm happy to welcome Kim Majeris. Kim's the leader of our state and local government business here at AWS. She's gonna help me guest host this episode. Kim. Help us set the stage here. Tell us about what you're hearing and seeing from our state and local government customers. So, Teresa, you're exactly right. Our SLG customers now, more than ever, are seeing patterns emerge. Customers are turning to cloud-based solutions to provide a continuity of services for citizens, while also setting up the infrastructure for a remote workforce. The aim has been to minimize disruption as much as possible, and another piece of the puzzle is keeping those costs down. These are questions state and local customers have always grappled with, but in today's world, they've become even more urgent. So something that's been really critical to achieving this is Amazon Connect, the Cloud Contact Center. The state of West Virginia here in the United States was faced with this exact challenge when mandatory social distancing started to roll out. Here's Ray with Joshua Spence, Chief Technology Officer of West Virginia. So Josh, West Virginia, like everywhere else in the world, had its own share of new challenges once the reality of COVID-19 set in. Can you talk us through what you were seeing with the state's call centers? As a result of uh, COVID and the unemployment demand, our call center was just overrun. And and then obviously the the number of unemployed just grew very quickly uh, as businesses adapted to what was uh, impacting them from states closing and and going to stay-at-home orders. So we just saw a night and day switch on the volume into the system, and nobody predicted this level of increase in that short amount of time. And although we had a uh, holistic telephony upgrade project in action, we hadn't got to unemployment agency to get their systems updated. Callers were getting busy signals or they couldn't even get through the line. And so then they were trying every number they could find. So then not only was the main office, the regional offices, but then even other state agencies were getting phone calls, just people trying to get answers. That created a problem we had to fix and we needed to fix quickly. You had to make a decision quickly on how to move forward and meet the immediate needs of West Virginians. So what were some of the obstacles that presented themselves to you and how were you able to navigate them? We didn't have any good available data on the volume. We just knew it was overwhelming the system and it was far more than we could handle. We didn't have a way to aggregate that data effectively or efficiently and and see what we were really facing. And then knowing that the situation at the time was likely to get worse, not better, we needed to make decisions very quickly and move things forward. So then part of the challenges we had with that was one, you know, government's not known to be necessarily agile and we needed to move quickly and that change was going to be an obstacle in and of itself. We had to move to a model where we would have daily sync calls with all stakeholders. We would go over what the open items were. We would set hard dates for every open item and and make sure we were pushing to meet the milestone uh, achievement marks for the project. Um, And that was a cultural change uh, for how people normally operated. 
you're only going to move as fast as your slowest stakeholder. So you got to make sure all stakeholders stay on the same page with that. So having that clear mapped out goals and objectives and how they translate into the technology and then who has what role and who has what responsibility is an important step. Another obstacle I think we found was we really needed to communicate back and forth between what was viewed as the business need based upon the current assessment of the situation and then how technology could solve that problem. And that that was a continuous evaluation. And so we had to adapt quickly. What it sounds like it really comes down to is instilling a quick cultural change and helping the state to digitally transform. The other part of the whole story is that this might have been the first time that many of the call center responders had ever worked remotely. The environment we had with the existing systems tethered us to the physical location and required us to put call center agents at a location or uh, we had to leverage our infrastructure to reroute calls to other systems. So with everyone working remotely, it definitely created another dynamic. Not only did we have to deal with moving very quickly, but we couldn't just take all the stakeholders and and pile up in a conference room and whiteboard everything out until we got to to what we needed to and said, let's get this done. We had to coordinate all activity uh, remotely and also support the call centers to operate remotely. So one of the key pieces to that digital transformation was the executive sponsorship and, and both from the business side for the agency, but then also on the technology side to make sure any type of obstacle that got discovered was quickly removed. In our teleconferencing, we moved to trying to work visually whenever possible. And so visual diagramming or mapping what you're trying to achieve, we found to be very important. Can you talk a little bit more about the timeline that you were able to achieve? We needed a solution that provided us remote capability, provided us expandability, and could be implemented extremely quickly. So we evaluated some solutions that were presented from some various providers. And in the end, I think the selection notification was put out on Friday, like a 1 p.m. timeline. And then by Monday at 6 p.m., we were rolling out that solution. Once we were able to implement the upgraded solution, uh, instead of citizens just hearing busy tones and then having to bounce to different phone numbers to try to get someone to answer a call, the solution then provided the citizens to get to either the information being provided through the automated means or they actually got to a call agent that could answer their question. And then if they couldn't get their question answered by the initial call agent, tier one agent, we were able to provide them a call back. And this was a huge benefit to the number of uh, citizens impacted by COVID in this manner of unemployment. And we wanted to ensure that they would get prior processed into the system to get their unemployment claims and get any questions answered. And then most importantly, just have the confidence that the system was working and that that financial help was coming. Wow. And so in your entire career working um, with state and local government, had you ever seen a project move that quickly from idea to execution? No, not at all. But I think it was really interesting to see that when the need was there, we found a path forward working with private sector partner to put a solution in that quickly. And and, uh, it was just an amazing thing to see. Yeah. And so you just said the word partner. 
How did you specifically know when it was time to bring a partner into the mix to help you? Oh, we knew immediately once we assessed the situation and realized the number of disparate systems we were working with and and having no visibility on the metrics, we knew we would need some help to get there. And of course, we've seen a paradigm shift in technology, right, to a service-based model. And and that was what we knew we needed to leverage, right? Cloud technologies provide that significant opportunity of being able to just turn on a service, configure it as needed, and then leverage it. Instead of having to acquire hardware, transport hardware, implement hardware, we'd have to do any of that. So we knew we need a partner and we needed a partner to leverage cloud technology. To learn more, I sat down with Robert Grote, Executive Vice President of Smartronics, the partner who helped West Virginia to set up their solution. Can you talk me through a little bit more of your experience that made you well-suited to help the state of West Virginia um, because you were able to create and deploy their Amazon Connect solution in just one weekend, which is incredibly fast. Well, we've always placed a huge emphasis on automation. So when we built previous solutions, we were able to rapidly roll out a new capability fairly quickly. And we also knew that we'd be able to quickly meet the security compliance constraints for, for West Virginia. It wouldn't be just rolling something out quickly, but we knew we'd be able to effectively manage and operate it right after we rolled it out. The solution allowed the state to do so much more than just answer calls, reroute them, respond to constituents and West Virginians. Can you tell me more about what West Virginia is able to do now with all of the data that they weren't able to do previously? One of the early business outcomes that we discussed with West Virginia was the ability to have a lot more transparency and how the constituents were interacting with Workforce West Virginia. If you think of Connect as an omni-channel solution, and you know that citizens want to interact with their state government in the same way that they interact with commercial vendors over mobile, over web, over chats, and over phone, we were able to add a lot more transparency into the ways in which the citizens were interacting. So we could provide insight into the total number of callers. I mean, we're, we're less than four weeks in, and there's been over 600,000 calls. We know that 50% of those calls are forwarded through to their existing IVR system, and only 10% are requiring agent interaction, meaning that that 40% are actually serviced by the interactive voice response system that we built. One other kind of interesting data point is that we've actually been able to send over 5,000 text messages via Amazon Pinpoint. What this allowed us to do was when a citizen came in and asked questions and they wanted to download the answer, we provided them a mechanism to get it over their their mobile channel. Were they able to send text messages previously or was this entirely new for them? No, that was that was an entirely new feature. And and really, we, we were able to rapidly deploy some some other pretty neat technologies. Uh, for one, we did multi-language support with Amazon Lex and Amazon Polly. We were able to integrate their Connect system with their new CRM Salesforce system. And then we were able to build out another complete omni-channel for them, specifically with chatbots. What I find really interesting is that we'll also have the ability to add other AI and cognitive services. We can do sentiment analysis. We can do predictive staffing. We can do deeper API integrations. And some of those benefits that you talked about have very clear benefits for the state itself in terms of understanding how it needs to scale, what needs constituents have, what they're calling about, when they're calling, who is calling, all of that that they weren't able to capture before. But how does Amazon Connect make it easier for the citizens? What is the tangible outcome of all of this for them? Gives the citizen the ability to interact with government in ways that they weren't before, get information surfaced to them much quicker. And really, in these times of need, when you think about what they're going through, most of these, again, we're going through an unemployment insurance uh, process. 
They're in need for their family. They want to be able to have services quickly, and they want to be able to understand when they're going to be able to receive those services. And that was really kind of the heart of the problem we were trying to solve, is how do we get information quicker to the citizen in need of a, of a constituent service? And when you can find a government customer who embraces that level of innovation and that speed and agility, and you can partner with, say, AWS, we can really do some pretty amazing and awesome things together. The cloud helped West Virginia move quickly. Getting set up in one weekend is a tremendous feat. We've heard similar stories from coast to coast of the U.S. and around the globe. Take Italy, for example. Codonia was the first town in Lombardy, northern Italy, with confirmed cases of COVID-19. The town's government turned to Amazon Connect to build a solution that would allow government workers to go remote so that citizens calling in would be able to get to the answers that they need. And in the state of California, Los Angeles County had been using the cloud to meet the needs of their citizens. The LA County ISD works not only with the county employees, but also with LA County residents to take calls, deliver critical information, and help with tech issues. They set up their Amazon Connect solution more than a year ago. We wanted to dive into what is possible, not only when customers are able to pivot quickly and first get set up, but also what happens when the solution has been in place for some time. Here's Ray with Benny Chaco, Deputy General Manager at LA County ISD. Before using Amazon Connect, sometimes callers were getting wait and hold times of almost one hour. But by using Connect, you are able to automate many simple service requests, and that helped result in a pretty dramatic reduction of calls, about 17%. What other benefits have you seen since deploying your Connect solution? A couple of really key points that I've seen with Connect that has happened now, it's kind of evolved over our deployment, but we've really seen the biggest benefit during this pandemic where we were able to mobilize our entire call center and all of our agents to be able to uh, provide uh, services from home. And that remote work type of environment that Connect has been able to allow has been completely a game changer and really did not even interrupt our services. And we were able to uh, provide continuity of services within hours. And so you are almost an early adopter of Amazon Connect because it was already rolled out before COVID-19. What were you weighing at the time when you were trying to consider, should we use Amazon Connect or should we stick with building out our own infrastructure and doing this how we had been doing it previously? I don't think any of us really predicted the current situation we're in today. But at the time we implemented it, I was really looking at How do we start driving a mobile strategy for our our call center? Really, I think the strategy at that time when we were envisioning it is how do we get rid of all this on-prem infrastructure, create a more agile mobile workforce, uh, being able to expand quickly and contract quickly as well. It allowed your workforce to expand and contract, work remotely, have a little bit more flexibility, uh, reduce operating costs, all of that. What does that translate to for the residents? We had to assist our Department of Public Health in standing up a call center that they could dedicate to fielding calls from residents of LA County. And they may be related to finding testing centers or anything that had some kind of relationship to a COVID-19 type of response. We were able to install the client and get practically a brand new call center with approximately 150 to 200 people stood up within a matter of a couple of days. And we were able to dedicate that to public health and help field calls from the public uh, related to COVID-19. And can you tell me more about how 
AppStream 2.0 fits into the picture in helping you to reach your goals and helping to provide that continuity of services um, internally and externally for the residents of LA County? We were basically required to spin up more than 30,000 some virtual desktops for different departments in the county practically overnight. And what that really provided was continuity of services, right? So we had social workers, caseworkers, potential health workers that were in a uh, remote work from home environment, but then they didn't really have the tools or the software that they needed to connect to the county network. So it was really critical that we were able to spin up a virtual desktop environment, give them the, the software and the tools that they needed to get their job done. And we had to do that over the weekend and get people up and running. So uh, we worked tirelessly throughout the night and we were able to collaborate with AWS to spin this up in record time. Over the span of a weekend, you were able to spin up more than 30,000 desktops. What would have happened if the cloud weren't a possibility? Would services have ground to a halt? Services would have almost nearly grounded to a halt, or we would have had to figure out dramatically the logistics of how we could enable social distancing in a very small office environment, which I think would be almost practically impossible. What AppStream allowed us to do was quickly pivot and mobilize an entire workforce that traditionally was used to an office environment. And uh, frankly, I don't think the, the public or the residents of LA County saw a drop in service. What was that like transitioning all of the workers who are used to coming into an office, signing into their computer at their desk? How was that training rolled out and how were you able to quickly get not only the solution in place, but then also have the workers be ready to go in a totally new to them environment? It was a a collaborative effort. So we definitely worked with AWS on some of the guidance and then worked with a lot of IT personnel within the county to create user guides, uh, conduct uh, video calls if needed, and train up our help desk to be able to answer some of those questions. But I would say from a user perspective, it's quite intuitive being able to give an employee a web browser to go to and say, go to this link, log in, and since there's no software needed on, on your local computer, it makes the entire process much easier. How has AWS helped you to continue to not only deliver critical services to citizens, but also critical information? The primary website that we use in all of our press briefings to the county is covid19.lacounty.gov. The first press briefing that we actually announced that website, our website crashed, right? Because a lot of it was sitting on on on-prem infrastructure and it just couldn't handle the load. So what we had to do is basically spin up a, a brand new website and port it over. And what we did is we worked with AWS to get that up and running overnight, practically. We were able to get it just in time, uh, and we were able to do all the content updates and get it up and running for the next press briefing. From that point forward, the capacity that is behind AWS infrastructure has absolutely been able to handle that traffic. And that's been really instrumental in getting us uh, up and running on our websites and the content that we're providing to the public. Other state leaders, other local government leaders might be listening and not quite sure where to start. What was the thought process and how did you begin to weigh your options and then take the jump into cloud-based solutions? I think it's not necessarily looking at how do you do everything. It's taking it by each of your business cases and what makes sense. The more we kind of dig and peel the onion, so to speak, uh, back, the, the flexibility, the agility that we're getting with the cloud is really just unparalleled. And then one of the other challenges that we're having right now is with this global pandemic, 
it's creating a huge financial crunch in terms of the county's economic forecast. So we are under certain purchasing freezes and hiring freezes. And what that leads to is us not being able to buy more on-prem infrastructure. So we have to look at other alternatives as well to stay nimble at a cheaper rate and you get a lot more value for that service in terms of what we're getting from the cloud. If you want to hear more customer stories like today's and you're interested in hearing more about the work AWS does with public sector, we hope that you'll register and join us for the upcoming AWS Public Sector Summit online happening on June 30th, 2020. And stay tuned for our next episode where we'll explore how federal government customers use cloud computing to drive the mission on behalf of groups like the Department of Defense, our U.S. intelligence agencies, and our civilian government agencies. Thanks to our guest hosts, Teresa Carlson and Kim Majeris. And a big thank you to our guests, Joshua Spence, Robert Grote, and Benny Chaco. And before we go, if you want to hear even more from Teresa Carlson, you're in luck. Tune in to the official AWS podcast, a podcast for developers and IT professionals looking for the latest news and trends in storage, security, infrastructure, serverless, and more. Join Simon Alicia and Nikki Stone for regular updates, deep dives, and interviews. Whether you're training machine learning models, developing open source projects, or building cloud solutions, the AWS podcast has something for you. Available in all popular podcatchers and at aws.amazon.com slash podcasts slash AWS dash podcast. And last but not least, thank you for tuning in. If you like today's episode, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. We'll catch you on the next one.